This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Spiritual self-care is essential for the spiritually attuned individual. It is an area worth exploring if you are desiring expansion, deeper connection with all that is, and discovering your divine purpose on this earthly plane. This can be done through mindfulness and meditation, practicing rituals of your faith and beliefs, attending spiritual workshops and retreats, seeking like-minded and like-hearted spiritual support, reading spiritual literature, and through connection with nature. Spirituality is deeply personal and varies by individual. Part of the spiritual path is discovering yourself and your personal truths. Much can be gained through spiritual self-care practices. Susie Devon's work provides an in-depth perspective on the categories of self-care, including physical, psychological, interpersonal social, professional, spiritual, and energy management clearing. It gives us awareness, inspiration, ideas, and techniques regarding the effective use of self-care as the foundation of healthy and mindful living. This helps to counterbalance personal and professional life stress resulting in increased resiliency, energy optimization, balance, and wholeness. What we need is a self-care movement in which each person loves, cares, and takes responsibility for oneself. By acknowledging and responding to our needs, we have more energy and compassion to help others. In this scenario, everyone benefits. Valeria Tellez interviews Susie Devon, the author of Mastering Self-Care, Building Resiliency Through Healthy and Mindful Living. Susie Devon, LMSW, REV, received her BA from University of Kansas, a Master's of Social Work from Wichita State University, and has Compassion Fatigue Educator and Therapist certifications from the Green Cross Academy of Traumatology. She is the founder and CEO of Self-Care Specialists, located in Wichita, Kansas, where she leads workshops regarding mindfulness, stress management, and secondary trauma prevention for professional caregivers and business professionals. In her private practice, Susie uses a synthesis of mindfulness-based psychotherapy modalities, including Hakomi Body-Centered Psychotherapy, EMDR, neuro-emotional technique, and psych. Kay Susie is also the founder and CEO of Blossoming Heart Center through which she facilitates emotional energy healing, 
hands-on healing, psycho-spiritual workshops, and retreats anywhere in the world. Meet Susie at BlossomingHeartCenter.com and SelfCareSpecialist.com. Here is the interview with Susie Devon. In your own words, who is Susie Devon? Susie Devon. Well, that is a, a very good question. I am a human being. Well, I am a spirit in a human body, in a temple, so to speak. We all are. And so I'm spending my time on this planet Earth right now at a very interesting time. I'm so glad to be here right now. And I'm here to be of service to humanity. So that's to work with individuals, to work with large groups, to help the planet heal. But that starts within myself always. And I feel that's true for all of us. So true. A billion times to that. All healing, self-healing. Oh, I love when you say that oh, a lot of my guests, they do say, answer this question in such a way about being a spirit in a human form. So how did you come to that understanding of this realization? Well, I've always had a spirituality, so to speak, um, even from the time of being a little girl, but I was not raised in a traditional church or any type of religion, which I think now has been to my benefit because I'm very open, um, very connected. I've always been connected to God, to the universe, to angels, to ascended masters. But what it did is it allowed me to find the path within myself. So it allowed me to find the path of, of who I am and to know who I am and why I'm here and how I serve and not based upon anyone else's ideas for me or how it should be, but it allowed me to tap into my purpose. Um, now, I'm not saying that that was a linear line because I went through a health crisis and some situations, experiences to help me find who I am and what it is I'm here to do, which I believe that that's true for all of us. So true. And I wonder, I often ask the question here about suffering. Does it always take suffering for us to go deeper and get to understand these truths within, or we can somehow learn from others? I do believe that we can learn from others, but I think sometimes the greatest teachings come through our own experience. If we don't, if we read about it or we hear about it from somebody else, we can listen, we can learn, but it's our own experience that is, it's the deepest teacher. And I actually set the intention when I was, oh, it was probably about 13 years ago um, at a spiritual workshop following a divorce, to go to the depth of my soul. Well, I had no idea what I was intending for myself and what doors would open up, but I also had read a lot of spiritual books over the years up to that point and started to realize they all sounded the same. They all, which was, they had great, great teachings and whatnot, but I, I set the intention. I said, I want to experience this. I don't want this to be something that is imparted upon me by what I've read and I, I didn't really realize what I was doing, but my experiences have been deep and rich. And yes, there has been some pain. However, the pain, I had the recognition as I went through some painful 
experiences that this is all for my growth and my learning. And the sooner that I learn this and take this deep in, the, the lesson and the, the, the gift that came with this learning, the sooner that I will move beyond this lesson and, and on to the next. So I don't think suffering's necessarily necessary. And even as I go through experiences that are, aren't always pleasant, I don't really judge them. It's more like an understanding of, okay, well, it's like we're in a little video game collecting mm-hmm. like Pac-Man, collecting fruit. <laughs> and as I, or as I, as we go through these experiences of, okay, we, wow, we just got a nugget. We learned from it. And do I believe that I'm not going to have any other lessons? No, because then there are more. And sometimes they're a little more kind of like in the Pac-Man game. It goes a little bit faster. <laughs> and uh, sure. maybe you're, you're not traveling with as many people because it's a certain type of a lesson that's a little unique. However, I find all of it to be um, meaningful and rewarding. And ultimately what happens is I fall more in love with who I am and, and, and my purpose, but also with everyone else that I come into contact with, with mm-hmm. all of humanity. That sounds beautiful. And it really sounds like some sort of destination for what we are here to learn. It really keeps coming back this message of unconditional love of coming from the heart and embracing everything as it is. It seems to be the highest lessons that we can learn, it seems. This might be a good time to talk about your healing journey, Susie. What else can you disclose about that, what you've been through? Yes, um, my healing journey has been very interesting. Um, I'm now uh, 52 years, years old. When I was about 25, Um, I was married and my former husband and I exposed um, me to bug bombs, uh, pesticides through bug bombs. And I became very ill and went the traditional Western medicine route. However, um, I saw many physicians who diagnosed me with asthma, with sinus infections. And of course, I inhaled the toxins. I didn't make the connection. I was very unaware uh, the doctors were not making the connection back then that I had been, you know, that it was toxins, chemicals, heavy metals. And so I turned to holistic self-care, which made a world of difference and eventually had to chelate the toxins out, was diagnosed 17 years later with arsenic toxicity and some damage that it had caused. But I am now perfectly healthy and it really is what set me on the path of outstanding self-care, but also I didn't know that I was going to do healing work. I didn't know that I was going to become a psychotherapist or do energy healing. But had I not gone through that experience, I wouldn't be doing what I do today, which I absolutely love. So I do consider that, although it was a very long experience, it wasn't like a short and done thing. And I know that now that I am perfectly healthy, it was Truly, I look at that as a gift. It's it's the gift that brought me, that pain that, that brought me to my purpose. And then I love that I do that with other people now, too. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Thank you again for being open to life, for doing what you do. It's, uh, like I said, off record, it's the most beautiful thing I can think of. Learning the lessons and then passing that on. Uh, spreading the good news <laughs> that we can do something about it, that we can be open and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. And another open question I have is about self-care. The title of your book is Mastering Self-Care, Building Resilience Through Healthy and Mindful Living. The question is, how would you describe what self-care is 
And also, what is the difference between self-care and self-love? Very good question. Um, Self-care, I would define as anything that you do for yourself that is nourishing, rejuvenating, uplifting, that cares for you, uh, for your physical body, um, for your your mind, your body, your soul. Um, So there are many dimensions of self-care. A lot of times people think of it as a physical thing, and absolutely, that is the foundation, the food you eat the movement of your body, um, but there's so much more to it. The the thoughts you think, the emotions that that we carry, the baggage, um, even spiritual self-care. And I do believe it is the foundation. It's like we are at a time where people are starting to realize that selfless service used to be considered an ideal. Well, now what we really need is selfful service where we we are whole within ourselves to the most that we can be. And we serve from that place, from a a cup being full instead of half empty or empty. And so I look at self-care as something that you do, we do to, the ideal is that we infuse it in our lives from the moment we get up till until we go to bed. And it's infused throughout our day as, I don't want to call it a practice, it's just things you do. You're in tune with yourself. You know what you need at any given time. And you meet those needs as you go throughout your entire day. And there's lots and lots of varieties and different things that, you know, we can put into our toolbox. And I do look at self-care as an act of self-love. And as, and you know, self-care can be taken to varying degrees. It can be a very simple thing. Um, you know, a lot of times people, you're starting to see self-care everywhere on soap commercials and lingerie and comfy clothes. And sure, that's self-care, but... I mean, I believe that it needs to go much, much deeper and that that is an act of self-love to take care of yourself. It really sounds like a spiritual practice, too. I know you mentioned the word practice. It is a practice, isn't it, um, Suze? It seems like everything in a way requires practice to acquire spiritual knowledge or wisdom. It's, um, we have to go through practices. It's something that I have actually dismissed for the last years because I kind of uh, ended up stopping the search or the seeking to find mm-hmm. something because I found that there was already here. I didn't have to go anywhere to find it or search anywhere else. But then yeah, I see that we still need practices. Like I love this idea of uh, devotion, which it has a lot to do with intention, practices with intention. So that makes sense that if we love ourselves, then Self-care becomes, in a way, a devotional practice. There's intentional practices. It seems to me, it, it comes to me every time as, as a message. I like that. Yeah, right? Kind of, um, I keep reflecting, talking to you amazing people and reflecting here about this beautiful adventure called life. And ultimately, what is the goal, really? I love what he said about being full. So it's not about being selfless or empty, but embracing everything. That resonates true as well. So my next open question is about spirituality itself. How do you define spirituality today? Well, spirituality is different for every person. So I I think it is somewhat subjective. Um, I don't know that I can define it for any other person. However, it's, you know, how do we find meaning in life? And spirituality And, you know, I don't believe, in my belief, it includes we are spirits in that physical body. 
And we can't dismiss that which is makes us alive, that which makes us us, that which is eternal, that which is the most beautiful part of us. And recognizing that, yes, there is something much bigger, God, the universe, uh, source, um, however it is that you look at it, but that we are part of that. And therefore, that is within us. We are made with that, that we have that ability to heal because that's what, if something that made us is that kind of powerful, then how can that also not be within us to heal us? It is all that is. And so we are part of all that is, and we are unique signatures of all that is, all playing our perfect part in this whole experience and all equal, you know, all at the core. We are the same. We're unique individuals expressing the divine that we are, that all of this is. Uh, another billion times to that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so true. Yeah, I love what you said about um, healing. So if something that have it's here that's that powerful, if it is here and it, it is that powerful, then it has the power to heal, which means it's we can heal our, ourselves from anything. I really believe that, uh, and I hope it's not a belief system. <laughs> it's beyond that. And so speaking of healing, let me ask you, I have too many questions here about healing, but I'll, I'll ask you, let me see this one. What are some of the misconceptions we have about healing? Well, a lot of times people think, if this really plays well with the question and what you were just saying, that we have to, we can't heal ourselves, that we, someone else has to do it, or that for us. And really, I do look at healing as an inside job. I do believe that there are lots of people, you know, lots of different modalities and different people and different ways of healing that are available. But ultimately, we are all responsible for ourselves, for having a connection and, and discerning and having the wisdom with what resonates with me, what does my body need, and, and figuring out that out within ourselves and then, you know, I've had various people who have definitely helped me along my healing journey, but I always stay connected to myself. Well, I can't say I always did back in the day when I had that health crisis, I put my, I gave the power of my healing to the doctors that were seeing me and I listened to what they said and I took all the antibiotics and the steroids and everything they prescribed. And I'm sure there's a time and a place, but that's not what I needed. And I blindly followed and it led me down a very treacherous path, but it led me to where I am today. So truly the resources are within us and they're within us and with our connection to God, to that infinite, higher, amazing power that, that created us. Um, our beliefs play into that in a very big way. If you believe that you will heal, I mean, when I went through that health, health crisis, I was told by my doctors, um, especially, you know, 17 years later, um, there was some damage. And with where I was, they said, you'll always have the arsenic in your body and you're always going to have this problem. And I remember arguing and saying, no, I'm not going to always have this problem. I will heal. I, and they'll say, well, it'll take a miracle. I said, well, I will have the miracle. And I knew it with all of my being. It was almost like a fire within me just rose up and almost got angry that the idea that somebody would tell me that I won't get a miracle because who is that person to determine that? I determined it with the knowing, the belief, with my connection 
How that would come about, I didn't know. And it took a little time and it tested my faith in a very big way. However, I did get the miracle and we all have that. We're all worthy of that. We all have that possibility. But what are you going to choose? Do we choose? I am powerful. I can create, co-create my reality. I can heal. I am infinite. I am part of God. I love myself. Those are the things, those are uplifting beliefs that can help lead the way. Wow. I love that. Wow, beautifully said. I love the passion behind it too. <laughs> Thank you. And I won't say that it's just that easy that you think to yourself this and then it is. Maybe, but it requires deeper work quite often to go into those beliefs, to work out the the energies in our bodies that, you know, we've had traumas and upsets along the way that have led us to the place of having beliefs that are faulty. So it's sort of going deeper within and getting to that, where did this start? Getting to the root cause of it. And the energies, what happened? What was the energy embedded and the belief that was formed at that time? And working with that, and then we change how things unfold in the future. And it is never too late to do that work. That's what I love about the work that I do. Then I guess the question that comes to mind is, how do we learn to trust this infinite intelligence? I love the way you say in your book, uh, that's at a different section, but you call it spiritual intelligence. You might be referring to the same thing, although I would love to ask you the question in a moment, what that is. Oh, I can ask you now, what is spiritual intelligence? And how do we learn to listen to that voice and trust it? Because most of us don't even know how to discern, actually the sound of that voice? Yes. Well, I think one very important part is to allow yourself to have quiet and stillness. Even if it is uncomfortable, we need that kind of time. And how can we hear our own voice if we're always looking to hear someone else's, to always be plugged in, to always be connected to other people? Um, So silent retreats, just spending time in meditation, Getting still within yourself, or even if you're still and you notice your voice in your head, noticing that. But a big, big, big part of that, too, I think, I mean, the inner work that I do with myself and with other people, I watch really amazing stuff happen. And so sometimes when somebody is new to all of this, going inward with someone guiding you inward to help find those answers within you, I don't give anybody their answers. But I'm really good at guiding them. I'm a a big mirror and help to guide them into those places where the information is held, where the wounds are so that they can heal them. And every time, not only do they heal the energy of the situation and the belief that was formed that was subconscious, but they also create a new belief, a new reality, and then everything changes. So it's truly an inside job and getting really intimate with yourself. And that means facing the good, the bad, the ugly, because truly when you can face every single bit of that and wrap it up in your love, the love you give to so many people, but give it to yourself. And when you do, that's healing. And when you do that, then you are able to give more love and compassion to everybody else. And people like honestly start to shift just being in your presence because of the new vibration that you're carrying deep within you. It's, it's, it's unchangeable. It's so powerful because it's not like something you did temporarily to raise it like toning or anything like that. It's like you made a big, powerful, permanent shift. 
mm-hmm. until the next one comes. Wow. I love that too. I mean, that's incredible how some of us get to the depth of healing ourselves, listening to their voice and, and ex- expanding into it the way you do. And some of us never do. I wonder why, because I have people around me, family members and all, that they don't want even to listen to these uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. So do you often wonder why some of us are attracted to these uh, deep wisdoms or deep mysteries or um, spiritual world, and some of us are not? I think it comes down to our paths and we all have different purposes and different roles that we play and different timing, you know, so some of us kind of got started a little bit earlier um, and have had many, many lifetimes of experience to back it up um, lessons learned so that we can be here to lead the way to light, light things up, to guide other people who might be newer souls um, who are being newer to the path or haven't, you know, we're all helping each other. And so um, being way showers, being light workers, light leaders, that's how I look at it. It's not from a place of judgment, but of a place, nor did I pick that up from you, but from a place of, okay, we're all here to help each other out, no matter who we are, where we're at, um, spirit in service of spirit. And as we love ourselves and as we help others, with, you know, then we are uplifting humanity, uplifting even the planet yeah. through that consciousness. That's a, an interesting perspective to hear that everything has its time. So some of us are not ready yet because it takes preparation. That's what I, I have experienced too. It's not something that we simply digest and learn from, like you mentioned, from a book or conversations like this. It takes experience and uh, preparation is part of um, of experience. So it makes sense, Susie. It makes a lot of sense. So you wrote the book, mentioning again, it's Mastering Self-Care, Building Resilience Through Healthy and Mindful Living. What was the main intention of writing your book? The intention was to reach a broader audience. So I've been doing training and workshops for professional caregivers regarding how to reduce or prevent secondary trauma through self-care for about 13 years. And before we realized, before healthcare providers and medical mental health providers even really realized that they needed it, although now uh, obviously they need it very much. Um, And then I led into starting a spiritual business called Blossoming Heart Center. And, um, and of course, my experiences took me very deep. So then I, I recognized that, okay, this is within me to teach this and to guide people in this way. But it truly is to reach a broader audience because not everybody can afford the work that, you know, I try to keep it um, reasonable and they definitely get the value for it. But not everybody can afford the one-on-one work or can afford or have access to a workshop, although that's probably changing now with um, technology. But I just wanted it to be something that's inexpensive and it's ac- it's accessible to anybody and it is applicable to anyone and everyone too that's what i really love about the book is the way that i i designed it to be relevant for somebody new to self care or to somebody who's very very proficient and wants to take it to the next level or wants a reminder um i've gotten very good feedback that it does really help people in all types of different walks of life and situations and 
wherever they're at on their journey, I want to I want to meet you. So I love what you wrote, a passage in your book that says, spiritual self-care is to the soul like water is to the planet. Ah, I love that. <laughs> That's why I have you. <laughs> and so talk to me for a moment about yeah, that question, spiritual intelligence. In your book, you mention uh, four main components of spiritual intelligence, critical as essential thinking, personal meaning, production, transcendental awareness, conscious state expansion. So talk to me for a moment about that. I never heard about these components and spiritual intelligence for some reason. Yes, um, the spiritual intelligence um, model is where that came from. So actually, that is from a model that was created. Um, the book includes self-assessments from a variety. I don't remember how many there are. There may be about eight self-assessments so people can kind of tune in. So that information actually came from the, the self-assessment, the spiritual intelligence model so that is not actually mine, but I thought it was very relevant to help people to take a look at it and, and kind of have some idea to assess where they fall within that. Now, by all means, the assessments are information. They can help us to see areas where we're really where we're really strong and areas where we can uh, grow and improve. And so, yeah, that's, I guess, the best that I can say about that since it is not actually my model. But, but I did find it to be a model that was very relevant, especially to that, that, that chapter. And especially to those who are spiritual. If you are spiritual, you know it. And it is, like you said, it's like food for your soul to be connected and to, to engage in those self-care practices, to uplift yourself, to heal, to connect with your heart and and to heal on all levels. Yes, Susie, absolutely. To me, I see the expressions we have, thoughts, uh, the emotions, and everything else that happens in the inner world, the, the physical, subtle body. I see that as the uh, reflection of, of spirit, of that infinite space. So with that in mind, the practices that you have, that you outline in your book, they're very interesting too. I love the one, of course, connect with nature. That's one that's uh, very easy to do and it's so powerful. And another one is mindfulness in meditation. I have done meditation a long time ago and it seems like everyone has a different way of even understanding what meditation is and practicing meditation. How do you practice meditation? Do you set an intention? Are you looking for something? How do you do it? Well, that's a good question. Um, I've done it different, depending on where I'm at, you know, where I've been in my journey, it's been different. Like when I first started to meditate, I would just lay on my bed after um, I was in graduate school and just lay on my bed and breathe. It was just sort of like a way of in the corpse pose, just breathing, connecting with my breath and just closing my eyes. And I noticed that all this energy, this tension was just leaving my limbs. And I started to notice how I felt more open. And, and then I might notice, you know, back when I started that my mind was pretty active and, and, um, and just, it was noticing it. And then the more that I did it, you know, sometimes people start with guided meditations. I do have some free guided meditations on my websites, but it truly becomes a way of living. So it can be now like 
I don't know, I look at everything as a meditation. When I wash my hands and I notice the scent of the soap or um, when I get gas in my car, I can literally feel how it's like rejuvenate. Like there's this energy coming into my car and I can feel it while it's off. And so now everything is like a meditation because I'm just tuned into, um, become very experiential. You become more tuned to your senses. And so living in life can be a meditation, but truly when you get started, the best way to do it is to to get started by just being still and focusing on your body and feeling without judging, just paying attention and, um, or starting with guided meditations, someone who can, you know, who does audio recordings or does, I even went to a group meditation, uh, weekly when I first got started, that was another thing that I did. And then after a while you become, if, when I do meditate, like I actually sit and meditate, I just go to this place that is so expansive that is immediately there as soon as I set the intention. Now it didn't used to be like that, but it can, it sort of is a, it is a practice and it evolves as you evolve. So it can start out as stress relief and then it can become this amazing connection to all that is, that is just so incredibly powerful and uplifting. And then you get messages from your guides and from your own deep within you messages that you, you needed an answer and you found, oh my gosh, the answer I've been looking out, looking around for is inside of me. Just get still. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. I love what you just said. So the practice will evolve as we evolve. So it's, uh, it's this movement. It makes so much sense. I love that. I never heard it that way, too. And I love the way you talk about meditation becoming a way of life where we are so present that now we can feel everything and we are not pushing away anything and we just um, not even enjoying, just it could become enjoyment, I guess. But I, I see as being in love with everything that is here. Yeah, seeing the God in all and even the unpleasant is kind of like an amazing experience when you sit and go, wow, I see it this way instead of the way that I used to. Without the judgment and just feeling the, the power of the anger or or whatever it is, and just recognizing that all of it is serving. Wow, that sounds to me very much is what has been called enlightenment, the title, uh, enlightenment or transcendence. That really sounds to me like that's what it is, isn't it, Susie? Would you say that that's what enlightenment is, being here now, embracing everything without judgment? I would have to say so. And I will say this too, is that a lot of, um, I once belonged to a meditation group where the people in the group were talking in advance before we'd start meditating about awakening and enlightenment and really focusing on how do we get there? How do we do this? Do this, do this, do this. And I was like, come on guys, let's just be quiet and meditate. And <laughs> I just, that's all I wanted to do is meditate, yeah. go home. And I, I didn't even uh -huh. want what they were talking about because it just yeah. was like, okay, if that's what <laughs> enlightenment looks like, no, thank you. Yeah. Let's just go, guys. Let's meditate. <laughs> and I think I got it long before I understood how, how much I was getting it. But it is. It's it's hmm. present moment reality. It's yeah. being in that love. It's mm. being yeah. that light that is within you. And when you peel back the layers of all those things that are not you, the beliefs, the patterns, the the things you've taken on, then that's really what's left. And it's, it's always there. It's just getting to it and living from that place, from that consciousness at all times. And 
nobody's perfect, but even when you're not, you make a mistake, wrapping your love around yourself like you would if it was your daughter, your son, or Mm -hmm. your pet and saying, it's okay. I love you no matter what. What a beautiful message to be reminded of and to hear for those who have not heard it before. Thank you so much, Susie, for being you, for being open to life. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for being you and what you are doing. It's tremendous, amazing, powerful. Yeah, thank you for the encouragement. The body appreciates. It's the only one that complains sometimes. <laughs> so I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Well, I would like to add on this subject of enlightenment. It is about being. It is about being you, being the highest expression of you. That part is, is it's so simple that it's right in front of us. It's right inside of us. But so there is really, it's not about seeking and going, I want that. I'm going to reach and grasp and try to get that. Just do your work. I do my work. I will continue. It's not always easy, but I have made that commitment to myself. I make that commitment to anyone that I have any, to everyone, because it is so important. And it's how I found this place within me that I love that it's always there, even during the hard times, it's unwavering. And yes, there have been some of those. So I don't think anybody gets through life without some challenges and opportunities to grow. But just be the love and the light that you are. And it it's, sounds simple. It's not always simple. But when you peel back the layers, it gets easier and more natural. And it just becomes that that just is. Yes, another billion times to that. Thank you so much for uh, even the way you speak. <laughs> it's enlightening. It's uh, in the sense of being light, being in love. Thank you, Susie, again. What is another word for life? Two words are coming to mind. I know you asked for one, but one is experience and another one is expression. Mm. To experience yeah. life to, or to experience what is, what what's happening, what exists, to experience existence, to experience it all, but also expression, expression of your being and interacting and playing with it. Yeah. <laughs> and playing with that and having fun with it. I absolutely agree. It's not in a, even an agreement. That's just a, a natural arising and a natural way of being here. That's beautifully said. I love that uh, experience and expression. My last question is, I think I'm using the word experience. What are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? I wish for everyone, well, I would like to say to experience enlightenment, but let's break that down. For everyone to experience unconditional love for themselves and for others for everyone to experience joy, like truly what it is that makes your heart sing, like a hum that is just the highest vibration. Um, I wish for everyone to experience truly the gift that they are. We're all, we're all here. We're all gifts. And we're all powerful. We're all love. We are all, we are all, all of it. We are all God. And to have that realization that that is you, that that is me, that that is every single being and every single thing and every experience and every opportunity, it is all God. 
The way you speak sounds like a guided meditation. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susie. What a beautiful way of expressing what you are. So this is the end. I do have one more question for you. The, uh, before we say goodbye, I have a technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You can go to, I have two different websites, um, selfcarespecialists.com and blossomingheartcenter.com. One of those, uh, I practice psychotherapy in the state of Kansas and do workshops regarding stress management, self-care, meditation, mindfulness. A lot of it's for professional caregivers and business professionals. The other one is a little bit more of a psycho-spiritual business where I do or facilitate energy healing, inner child healing, shadow work, and also do lead psycho-spiritual workshops. And of course, the book can be accessed uh, through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, iTunes, but you can find access to, to the book very easily if you're interested in it. Wonderful. I'll have the links on your podcast profile too, those two websites. Thank you so much again, Susie, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Susie Devon and her work, please visit blossomingheartcenter.com and selfcarespecialists.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.